Hi, this is Marisha for loveyourcreativity.com. Today I am interviewing Jason Hewitt, and it's just a great story of an author who spent a long time writing and rewriting and failing to finally get the really big book deal. It's just amazing to hear the stories of how many times he's had to pick himself back up again. And there's lots of great takeaways from how to keep going forward, how to deal with rejection, and ultimately, just how to hit send, how you have got to let it out the door. You've got to get that first draft to an agent or finally when it's about to go to print. So enjoy. Hello, Jason. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for coming uh, in to my little to do this. Um, this is the first official loveyourcreativity.com podcast. And uh, the idea of all of these is just to get an idea of how creative people of all uh, walks of art and life manage to kind of keep going and the successes and failures and any tips you can pass on really. So you have got your very first uh, published novel coming out next year, right? Mm -hmm, that's right. Yes. Uh, and it's called The Dynamite Room. Yes. Great. Well, I mean, obviously it's a bit different here because I was with you last summer, so summer 12, the day you got the, the call from the agent. So... Your two book deal, I remember it's quite, quite yes, a day. Yes, it was quite a deal, uh, quite a day. <laughs> so, can you talk to me about the process up to that? I mean, was this the first book you had written? No, I wrote, I'd written two before. I wrote one after I finished university, which I didn't really do anything with. Mm -hmm. And then I um, went and did an MA in creative writing at Bath Spy University. Ah, oh, okay. And that's where I wrote my second novel which took me many years to complete and it was that novel that got me an agent but that was not the dynamite room we tried to sell that um and ultimately failed after a couple of years of trying and then yeah. i basically wrote another one uh, which became the dynamite room so it's been quite a long process so although the dynamite room is my debut novel it's actually the third novel i've written over a period of what, maybe 10, 15 years? Over, uh, yes, about 15 years. Wow. So you must have had a real kind of sense, though, of I have something here. I mean, has there been anything, did getting an agent on your second novel make you think, well, I've got something here, so to go in and then try and write the third? Because it's, it's exhausting, I know myself, to keep polishing and trying to work out what it is that they want and will sell. Oh, absolutely. I think the, the very first one that I didn't do anything with, that took me five years to write. Um, and then the, the one that got me the agent, that took me probably about three years. Um, and getting an agent definitely boosted my confidence. And I suddenly thought, oh my God, this could actually happen. <laughs> this, could, this could really work and I could actually get this one published. And then we didn't manage to sell it. So... So getting an agent was a great boost, but there were still lots of bumps in the road after that point as well. And then did he have to, he or she have to then say to you, we're not going to get this one sold, can you go and write another one please? Is that how it went? Uh, yes, he, he basically, actually even before I'd started, he'd started trying to sell that novel, he'd said, okay, you need to start writing another one, oh, because okay. writing one novel doesn't necessarily make you an author. Uh, you need to kind of write lots of novels um, so he was very keen for me to start another one anyway um, and also we had one publisher that was interested, um, ultimately didn't buy the book but was interested enough to ask if there was going to be a second book ah. and what that was about 
at which point I had to come up with an idea <laughs> very quickly off the top of my head over the phone to Will, my agent, um, and basically spurted out this idea. <laughs> story to the novel we were trying to sell at the time so it was quite left field um, obviously the dynamite room set during World War two and, and the one I'd written before that wasn't bought by anyone was set in modern-day Sweden so you couldn't really be much more different than that really yeah I'm interested in the fact though this what's it about because you, you I mean some people do write to a they try and sell an idea don't they and then they I mean I have a friend of mine mm. who's a very successful ghostwriter and so they sell the project before they actually write a write a word, to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, I've done lots of shows where, you know, the deadline for Edinburgh or Brighton or whatever is, right, we need 50 words, what your show's about, and we need the image by mm -hmm. X. And you're thinking, I haven't written a word of this. But you end up almost sticking yourself into a parameter and then having to write your parameter almost. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which kind of maybe in one way helps, I don't know. I think so. It does to some degree because it gives you some guidance. And I've just started writing um, a new novel. I've got a two-book deal, so I have to basically give them another novel uh, at the end of this year. And I've started writing that one. And that, again, came off me accidentally spurting out to my editor, Simon Schuster, an idea for a follow-up, which she loved. And I then thought, oh, heck. <laughs> <laughs> that means I'm going to have to write this one as well. Um, so, and I've told too many people about it now, which I think is a bit of a mistake because it means I can't really go back on it. Um, but I will make it make it work. Well, it seemed to work for well, novel number three. So hopefully. yes, the dynamite room it worked. So I'm hoping that it will work again. I just think it's magical. I love that. So, did you have? Because obviously you went and did an MA. But how do you? over 15 years write three books and keep going did you have like a support system or was it you did you say right every day I'm going to write half an hour I mean what, what did you use to keep trying to move forward um I set myself deadlines which I then failed to keep on a regular basis um but the fact that I set myself deadlines so it'd be I don't know this chapter by such and such a date or the first hundred pages by such and such a date just by giving myself a deadline gives me something something to aim towards. Right. Um, and I know I've missed them regularly, um, but at least it's, I'm moving forward all the time. And I also, when I did my MA at Bath, um, I belonged to a workshop group. There were seven of us, and there's we still meet up on a regular basis. And whilst writing the dynamite room I would give them chunks of it at a time and I would promise I would get them you know the next chunk in time for the next workshop for them to read so again that gave me oh, that like a deadline great. otherwise everything get, life gets in the way everyone's so busy you know I was trying to balance uh writing along with all sorts of other projects and work and stuff and you kind of got to be strict with yourself it's nice if you've got it's that accountability isn't it that yes. to, to go and, um, especially if people are putting their t time aside to read something. Yeah. And of that seven, who else is published? 
I am. We've actually had an amazing group. So basically, I am the sixth person out of seven to get a publishing deal. Um, so, and the seventh person is, um, I think, is about to send her novel out to agents. So we've been really, really lucky and really supportive. And they've also pulled my novel to pieces and battered me around <laughs> and generally <laughs> told me that bits just don't work and characters don't work. Um, so <laughs> without them, it wouldn't have been, wouldn't have become the novel that it has become. No, yeah. um, and also taught me to have a tough skin as well, because sometimes you, you know, you hand in a whole load of work, a whole weeks and weeks of writing and they just say, you know what, this just isn't working. It's not going anywhere or I don't understand your character or the plot doesn't make sense or whatever. Right. So you have to pick yourself up off the floor, go home, hide under my stone for a few more weeks. <laughs> Crawl out from the said yes. stone, get the pen out again. <laughs> Start over again, put a red, red line through it. Um, but yeah, they were very supportive. So how long was that process? How long did it take to start the dynamo room, dynamite room from the beginning of this idea you had? Would you I think it took me um, probably two years to get it to a point where it was ready to go to my agent. So a year of that was actually doing research because it's set during World War II. Yeah. I've got a history degree, but actually I, I avoided World War II like the plague so to speak, and basically studied most of my degree on medieval history, so I had some gaps in my knowledge. But so at least you have a, had a really proper grounding in research, though. Oh, yes, yeah, and I love the research. That's one of my favourite parts of oh, it. Okay. So I love finding out interesting new stories and little tidbits of facts that you... Most historical writers, they cram their novel... Well, when you first do your first draft, you cram loads of facts in and then end up taking them out <laughs> because... To get in the way of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it took me probably about a year to research and then a year to write. And I was very fortunate in the job I had at the time, the company I was working for gave me three months sabbatical. So I wrote the first draft in three months. Well, actually, it wasn't three months because I spent the first month primarily sat in the cinema watching films and oh, <laughs> well, well, eating popcorn and just generally doing other things that I really shouldn't have been oh, doing. Oh, I see, right. Thinking, thinking oh, I've got sacks of time. And then, oh, that one. And then a month, that. In yeah, just, yeah. month in just thought, oh, God, that's a month gone already and I haven't actually done much. So panic kicked in. And I then wrote the first draft. Uh, I'm loving this. And then what, I'm just, because I've written two novels. I'm not going to make you read it. Um, <laughs> oh, go on. Oh, go on. Um, and one, I'm on draft five. And one, I've done one draft and had a look mm. at it recently and went, there's something in this one. But I, I haven't, just even the thought of a synopsis, and I've tried to put, you know, you're trying to write this back jacket idea. So you're trying to, and of course, I wrote quite a funny little back jacket, but the book is actually a little bit more serious. And I haven't actually had the... I mean, you know, I do stand up, but I didn't have the courage to put it in an envelope mm -hmm. and send it to an agent. So what is it that you made you think, I'm going to finally get novel one and indeed novel two to then get the agent out, out to an agent? What is it that then made you do that, think you've got something? Well, novel one, the one I wrote years ago, I basically only sent to one agent and he very kindly turned it down um, <laughs> and said that it wasn't any good. 
um, and I didn't really believe in it, so that kind of got discounted quite right. quickly. Um, the one I wrote during my MA, uh, it helped that I was doing an MA course and everyone else was going to get agents, so I kind of got swept along with the flow. That's good. Um, and also I was very fortunate in many respects because I, as part of the MA, we produced an anthology of extracts from the year group. Ah. And I volunteered to be the editor for that anthology. So I basically spent, after the MA had finished, I then spent months working with um, a, a colleague of mine, mine, producing the book, developing it, arranging the cover, organising a launch party, all of this stuff. So basically creating a book from scratch, and which we then sent out to agents to try and get... Oh, deals for all the people on our MA course and quite a few of them got agents off the back of the anthology which was great apart from me <laughs> <laughs> who put in all the work oh my god <laughs> um, so I was a bit like slightly miffed but never mind um, and they basically <laughs> basically so I didn't get an agent did not please tell me someone someone bought you dinner <laughs> I don't Go think on. so no I, I don't think, think at least buy me dinner I right? think I think maybe I got a round of applause and a bunch of flowers <laughs> at the launch party, but I think that was probably about oh it. Oh, my God. Um, so no wonder they were all so eager to get you going now. Yeah, so, and then basically a year later, the literary agency that I'm now with, Jan Clare Nesbitt, the, the lady that was, or one of the women that worked there, um, Jennifer McVie, who's now a very successful author in her own right, emailed me and said, oh, you're the editor of this anthology, can you send me the new edition? And I said, oh, I'm not doing the course anymore. I finished. I was just a student. However, I just happened to have finished my novel. Oh. Would you mind if I sent it to you? And she said, yes. And that's where really how I got my agent. Um, she then left and I basically ended up with the agent I've got now, Will Francis, who, who I'd met several times before. Um, so he ended up inheriting me. But it was all through luck. Well, no, and, it and was assistance. But. Well, it's that it's it's that thing, isn't it? You make your own luck, and the point yes. is, she was she, if you hadn't spent given all that time and love into making a great anthology, she wouldn't have been on the phone to you. So. No, I think no, yeah, I, I put the work in, um, and I was very opportunistic, um, and I I did put the work in and, and made it as good as I could possibly make it. And the funny thing was that actually, she she I sent her the novel, and maybe about. Three or four days later, she emailed me and she said, oh my God, I'm only halfway through, but I absolutely love this. Oh you must come in and see me wow. as soon as possible. <laughs> and I got really, really excited. I'm excited. I'm to... excited. I already know the end of the story. And I went in to see her and she, probably maybe about a week later, and she said, ah, oh, I really loved the first half. Oh. <laughs> but the second half just not working for me. It's just not very good. So, having been on a real high, this is what I was going back to me saying earlier, there's many bumps in the road. Um, having had a real high, I then kind of like hit the ground with an almighty crash. Uh, and then spent another year working on that one. Which then we didn't sell anyway. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, but, but it, it is, I know, it's about the persistence and it's the keeping on going, isn't it? And, and also, I think also having a belief that 
you know, when you when you you have to take the little breaks you get. Yes, mm. you're going to fall down, but you have to take the breaks as you get them to go. Okay, I know what I'm doing. Almost. I think almost the longer it takes, the more you believe that actually this is what you're supposed to be doing. Because I don't think I ever. I maybe had a bit of a wobble after we didn't sell uh, sell the previous novel, which is kind of when I really got into acting as a kind of bit of a sideline or a. a Another goal I wanted to do but it was also a diversion from writing for one, some point because I felt a bit down in the dumps <laughs> about it all. Or suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but ultimately I knew I was always going to write something else and I knew that I would, you know, it will be a continuous part of my life and the longer I do it the more I realise that, that I will always be writing something. So... I think that yeah, you need to have that belief if you really want to do it. And with everything, actually. You know, you think about, you, you know, you in your comedy or acting or anything, anyone that does something that's artistic, that's got, doesn't have a regular salary, whether you're an it's artist or whatever. You have, yeah, you absolutely have to have it. I went it. to a talk at the Actors Centre a couple of weeks ago with um, Timothy West and uh, uh, Clive Swift was interviewing him and... Um, Someone had asked about being an actor and uh, Clive Swift said something on the lines of, you're, you know, it's something you're, you, you're bloody well have to do. And uh, mm. Timothy West was very much, if, you're going to, if you want to be an actor, you will be an actor. Because it isn't about, I mean, I know you can argue with celebrity and on these reality TV shows, it's one thing. But if you really do want to be an actor or be on that stage and have that, have that conversation with people or write words and have a conversation mm. with people... It, it comes from somewhere, I think, that you can't really... You question it, you run away from it, you distract yourself, you spend a, a month, as you say, mm. not doing it, eating popcorn and getting fat, watching yep. films. <laughs> but you always come back to it. And I think it's about trying to get... I know I am. I'm constantly trying to get more and more ingrained the habits that make me improve to keep going, because otherwise you go mad. Because you, know you, you know you're supposed to be doing mm. X, so why are you doing Y? Um, so I'm interested, because obviously I know you as an actor... Uh, mm -hmm mainly um so you kind of went right i can't sell my second novel i'm going to do something else creative to get rid of this angst so i'm going to storm around on stage that's kind of how it happens <laughs> um a little bit i'd always wanted to act as well but i'd never really had the opportunity to do it i never really there wasn't really any acting opportunity when i was at my secondary school and then i went to a university where i kind of there was a drama course there and I did know people that were studying drama but I felt that I was on a different course already and I was heading in a different direction um, and I think I maybe I felt that having one artistic endeavour or dream was more than enough thank you very much <laughs> um, to cope with let alone having two so I kind of always put it on the sort of pushed it to one side um, but always had this secret hankering. And then it was only when we didn't sell the, the previous novel that I thought, oh my God, I need to do something else. I can't, you know, yeah. if this isn't, I've got to start another novel and the last one took me three or four years to do and I've got to start again from scratch. Uh, it's up a battle, isn't um, it? And also writing is, involves an awful lot of time sitting on your ass, and I'm a bit fidgety. So, so <laughs> it doesn't bode well with the way that, you know, my physical life. Um, so I needed to do something that was a bit more kind of get up and do stuff and a bit more active. Um, 
and also I'm a very sociable person and I'm writing quite solitary. Yes, I've seen you many a time in the pub. <laughs> so I do like to go out and have fun. Um, and acting seems to be something that could sit alongside that very nicely, whereas, as I said, writing is And actors are, solitary. generally, Timothy West said this as well, he said the thing about not, he wrote an autobiography at 68, 10 years ago, mm. and had to basically, when they republished it, had to add an extra chapter because he's carried on. He, I mean, he was yeah. recently in Coronation Street. Um, given he's all this RSC, etc., etc., he's had a very uh, varied career. But he said the point is actors are just great people to be around because they're always quite lovely company and they're funny. Oh, and they're... absolutely. And I think actually, particularly the, the, the stage I was in my life, I, you know, I just hadn't... I'd written two books. You know, I managed to get an, an agent with a second book mm. but hadn't sold it. And feeling a bit down and dumps and a bit fragile and, and a bit lonely and a bit kind of bereft and I don't know abandoned and the great thing about actors is that they're, they're, always, they're like that. always there to give you a hug <laughs> and they will do even if they don't know you mm. <laughs> so so yeah so I basically threw myself into that and as really as a complete and absolute beginner to start off with. I did a, an evening class at the City Lit and ended up being better at it than I'd ever in a million years imagined I would be. Um, well, I think possibly the attention to detail you need to do the kind of research you do and then to write about it is also partly the research you need to do in a character as well. You know, there oh, is yes, definitely yeah. a through line on that. I think that, I mean, I think... You know, I've started writing plays as well, and all three of those things, acting, writing plays and writing fiction, they all link in together so, so beautifully well. Um, they all bounce off each other. Yes, because you can also develop... Um, I did a workshop last week with a director called Glenn Walford, fantastic director. I've seen mm. some of her work. She does a lot of Willie Russell stuff. So she directed uh, Mira Sayal in uh, Shirley Valentine a few years ago, which I saw one was great. But this amazing workshop with this incredible director and you forget what it's like to work with you know these really famous mm. directors there's a there's a reason because they they can get things out of you that you just don't quite understand but she was an actor first as well and i almost think maybe you can write a better character because you've had to build your own character and put him on stage yes i think yeah they definitely help building character both ways actually so if, uh, when i'm writing fiction now <laughs> anyone that lives down my street that may <laughs> glance into my window at some point if I'm in the lounge, which I'm, I usually write in the dining room, is, is the back of the house because it's quieter. But if I'm in the lounge, sometimes I use the space to act out little scenes I'm going to write. Do you? So that I can oh. see the physicality of things that they might do. So you do like, you do like bag masking? So you're going to be the, the boy and the girl? And oh, yeah, voices. yes, yeah. I can pretend I'm a German soldier and then next minute I'm a 12-year-old girl or, or whatever. Um, so, and I would never have done thought to do, do you, that. Do you like scuttle acting. underneath and hide and do that? <laughs> I mean, do, you, do you go that far? I, if I've got the furniture around or the, or the props to do what I want to do, I don't have any kind of okay. I don't know Nazi pistols lying around or anything like that. No, no, no. But um, thank God, thank God. Um, but yeah, no, I kind of yeah, I act out a little. I act out the scenes, um, and obviously with the acting. You know, vice versa, it helps. You know, I, I can understand dialogue more easily because I write it. And, mm, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I creating a character. Um, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I've obviously heard a bit of your novel because obviously you brought it in mm-hmm. and uh, we were doing like an uh, audio and it was magical, it was spine chilling, it was, oh my God, what's happening next? It was <laughs> so fantastic. So, although I didn't, I didn't at all know all this backstory, I mean, I did appreciate that in the five minutes I got, it really grabbed your attention mm-hmm. and it was just, even now I can remember the feeling, so I'm, I'm sure it's going to be absolutely huge. So do you have... As we're kind of wrapping up, do you have any time management techniques to pass on to us who are trying to get our projects going and forward dis- and then getting agents and not getting placed? And I mean, are there any kind of time management to keep you on the track of moving? You mentioned deadlines earlier, didn't you? Yeah, deadlines. I'm, I'm rubbish at time management, to be honest. Okay. Um, so I... But you've managed uh, to get yourself going. So what is it that you've told yourself to keep going then? I try and do, I try and do something for the writing in particular every day. So that might be writing. More often than not, it's not writing and it's something else. It might be reading research. Or it might just be jotting down some notes in a notebook. So I try and keep it fresh in my mind. Every day. Every day. And I think... I mean, the... the the great thing about my life at the moment, but also one of the problems, is I have lots of projects on at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of plate spinning. So I have to, I have to make sure I'm working on something every single day. So do weekends you, don't exist anymore. Every day is a working day. So do you spin each one of your plates every day, or do you have a particular like your novel? I know at the moment no. you're editing. So is it just that you've gone right? The writing is the most important right now. So at least. No matter what this will, this place I will spin today, even if I'm then going to go to rehearsal. Yeah, place if I'm tonight. having, if I have a, a writing, if I'm writing, I try and give myself a full day, or as much time as I possibly can, because particularly if I'm writing a new draft or something like that, it takes me a few hours to get into it, mm. into the swing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not worth doing for less than two or three hours. So I really, I'm better off having a whole day and I completely submerge myself into it. That's more productive for me. But the problem in my life at the moment is I'm trying to do other things as well. So I might have an audition. So often an audition might be in the middle of the day yeah. or um, I'm writing a, the first draft of my follow-up novel at the moment. So I'm here talking to you this afternoon Yet, this morning I was in the British Library writing some of it, and then I'll go back and do some more this evening in the British Library. So I I basically, I try and juggle my day around what, any fixtures and fittings and meetings that I've got. But you've got this first draft, get it done, get it out there, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, I mean, I, I obviously sent a few questions over to you before just to have a think about it, just in terms of because I was thinking about what it is that I'm, I for myself and for mm. anyone listening, thinking about, but, you know, things like how you've dealt with negative rejection seems to be you've somehow found a way to channel creativity in a different way, but you've still kept coming back and you've still put yourself up and kept on going. I think you have to do that in whatever, like, you know, we're both actors and you, mm. we both know that actually <laughs> you're going to get turned down for stuff or oh, people yeah. are going to see you or something and say, actually, you know what, well, they, won't, they often won't say this, but... You can tell sometimes that they think you weren't very good in that, or that wasn't the best part for you, or whatever. You can't be successful in everything all the time. And people, people and pe- aren't going to so, love everything that you do. And, and and what I found with all the cabaret I've done over the 
decade is that I can have two people at the same show, one of whom will think I'm terrible and the other person who will come up and say, you know, say I was brilliant or yeah. I really inspired them or love the way I sang this song because it reminded them of of a past relationship. And and you, you what I've had to learn to do on stage is almost to especially more with cabaret acting is different, isn't it? But but you almost have to give the performance you're going to give and accept that the audience reaction, and I'm sure it's going to be the same mm. with the book. I mean, how are they going to reviews? I never read my reviews anymore because I've learned not to. Yeah. Because I either am, I'm either proud as anything or I stop proud. And I still remember some a couple of lines of reviews, um, God, from years ago in Edinburgh, where they've written it to be funny, but it still rankles. Mm-hmm. It's a criticism made funny. And those kind of stick with me sometimes more than the positives. Yeah, I think you, you, yes, you'll always, I'm exactly the same. I I tend to hold in my head the negatives and anything positive that people say kind of goes in one ear and out the next because I either don't believe them (laughs) or I can't quite believe it or various other reasons. Um, but you just have to pick yourself up and you have to park, park those thoughts and any negativity or any rejection. You have to kind of put it to one side because otherwise you'll never, you'd never carry on. No, and no. everyone would stop. Everything would stop. All artistic creativity would stop. Um, and what a sad place that would then be. Yeah, no, it was true. Well, what I've done, I did, I've did. i been doing 30-minute tasks of the day for the blog. Mm-hmm. But one of them was build a happiness file. And I have started... When people have said lovely things, I've written them down, or if I've had thank you cards on projects, so they're in one place. So that when I'm next feeling like I can't act to save my life, I can't sing, I can't play, yeah. I can't do, um, then it's somewhere I can go, no, no, no. You know, I've just done a short film this uh, last week, and, you know, I, you know, we, we, we were all great, it worked really well, the shots looked fantastic. I haven't obviously seen the finished project, but the director was super happy, and... And I just thought, at least you have to remember those feel-good moments rather than... Absolutely. Because we all know watching yourself on screen also is... I hate it. I know, (laughs) man. I hate it, which is why I think I'm dreading the book coming out. I'm very excited, but I'm also thinking, oh... Because presumably, actually, this was one thing I wanted to... Because I've been doing so much research about platforms and marketing and publishing and just looking at that whole area. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard, I gather nowadays, to get publishing deals unless you really have a platform already built, you have an audience. You know what I mean? You have an audience where maybe you've written a few books or you, or it's in the self-help section. So presumably you're having to build your profile now between now and spring 14 so that when you come out with a book launch, you're going to put, they're going to try and get you on telly, I guess, and literary festivals and... Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, I don't know what, what extent, it's still early days, the publisher, you know, Simon Schuster, hopefully will... will you know, do everything they can, and I'm sure they will do to promote me. And mm. but I'm, I've also got marketing experience myself. I was yeah. a marketing manager, so I know what I need to do, and that I can't rely, and I shouldn't rely on other people to do it for myself. I need to go out there and, and do these things myself too. So, so what are you thinking of doing that you need to get done yourself? Um, it's basically building up my social networking following. It is. Um, you know, organising readings myself, organising, there might be some literary festivals I can organise myself, there might be some broadcast media I can do myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I just basically look at every opportunity I can possibly yeah. take. Um, and yes, I've got, you know, I've got a quite, I've still got a few months before the book publishes, but 
my certainly my wheels were already in motion. Um, yeah, well, I was. Um, is it Michael Hyatt or some? I think it's Michael Hyatt. He's got a really good book called Platform, actually. Mm-hmm. Which, if you haven't got, you should read it. And his podcast is fantastic. Um, but I think it was on his that he was saying that really, if you if you want a platform, you need to start building it the year before you need it, really. Mm-hmm. Which would make sense, really. You know, so cool. Well, I think I've asked my question. Anything you want to add to uh, inspire us? As uh, certainly me, as I. I kind of look back, look at my two novels thinking maybe I should at least get one out the door. Maybe there's just a thing about getting it out the door. You know what I mean? It's in an envelope. It's gone out there. Yes, I think, well, no one... I mean, this is something I've learned very recently because I've just literally assigned off the copy edits for my the Dynamite Ring, which means that I can't make any more changes now. And I, I did all this by um, internet and by my computer. However, if it had been a physical thing, I feel like uh, Jessica Leake, my editor, would have had hold of the physical copy of the my manuscript and one in her hands, and I'd still be holding on to the other end. Oh. And you have to let go. Um, yes. <laughs> because otherwise they can't go and turn it into a book. You have to let go of the manuscript. And I think that's the same thing I have when I've written previous novels or previous drafts I've sent to my agent or whatever you have to hit send (laughs) (laughs) you have to hit send they won't get it if you don't hit send (laughs) Um, nice that's a great line I like that that might yet be the title of this podcast (laughs) you have to hit send yeah I know it's true it's like it's not a friend of mine's um, a songwriter pro songwriter Mm. so she's out in LA writing with all these artists she doesn't even call it a song until it's down with lyrics, harmonies. It is not actually. She doesn't. It's 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 mm. just something she's working on until it's ready to go into an A and R department. So it's the same idea, you know. Uh, absolutely. I think I've only recently, since I got the deal, actually started saying that I am, am a writer or an author, mm. even though I was doing it for years and years and years before, which is a ridiculous thing to admit because it was what I was spending almost all my time mm. or spare yeah. time doing. And people always say you should say that that's what you are because that's what you're, that is part of who you are. But I never felt that I had had the green light, so to speak, to actually call myself that. And I think now I've got the deal. I feel like I've been given a badge by coming <laughs> stick on me. I really am honest. <laughs> wow, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to coming to the launch. I'm looking forward to reading it. Absolutely good. And. I guess the thing you're next doing, I was listening to a fantastic podcast. I will, Chris Brogan one with uh, quite a big author. I don't think who it was by. Um, uh, Kawasaki was the, uh, I'll find the link anyway. Uh, but he, he used, the fact he's written loads of books before, but he managed to get something like 185 Amazon reviews on the very first day because he was, he basically contacted um, people who were already part of his main list and given them early copies of proofs to have a look at, you see. A little bit like you've done with your writing group. Yeah. But, uh, but basically then sent it out and said, the Amazon goes online sales at midnight tomorrow night. Can you please make... I'd really appreciate it if... Because he'd sent them a physical yeah. thing. Could you please go and um, review? And he got like... He woke up in the morning, it was 45 Amazon five-star reviews in the morning. So, you know, automatically it helps the kind yes, of... Because yeah. it has to make a splash at the beginning, doesn't it, really? Because otherwise you get too quickly lost down in Amazon rankings and it's just a bit more of a hard oh, absolutely. And also, I think, particularly because it's a debut novel, yeah, yeah. you kind of... They need to really need to work. 
it's harder to sell a second novel than it is a first one because there's some interest with the first one. Yeah, yeah. You're new and exciting. So yes, I shall definitely be um, banging the drum. Of Amazon reviews. But you can ask me, I promise, I promise I will read one. Cool, so do you want to just um, state your contact details, how people can get hold of you or follow you? or? Yes, basically, so it's um, Jason Hewitt um, and the, the novel is called The Dynamite Room, publishing February 2014 by Simon Schuster. And you can follow me via Twitter, which is at Jason Hewitt one two three, or on my website, which is about to go live any day now, which is uh, Jason Dash Hewitt, which is H E W I T dot com. So www Jason Dash Hewitt dot com. I'll put some links in anyway and the show notes so that people can chase yep. it. Perfect. Thank you, Jason. Thank you very I, I much. Can't, I can't wait to see. So there we are. I'm looking forward to Jason's overnight success when the book gets launched in spring 2014. It's amazing. You can spend so much time with someone as I have with Jason. We did a Christmas carol together um, December 11. And uh, just not understand how much of a fighting spirit they've got and how he's just kept forward, forward with his writing he also acts and um, writes plays and um, I believe a film script as well so he's certainly getting very creative and productive and moving forward so I have learned today to hit send I am going to go off and find a piece of work and see can I get this out there so hopefully it's inspired you to do the same and that was the very first podcast interview by Marisha Trembetska for loveyourcreativity.com pop over to the website and you'll see the blog I blog about three or four times a week and tweet lots of creative um, things on all subjects of creativity from marketing to platform building to thinking about an audience to actually doing it for all kinds we've got further interviews ahead with choreographers professional songwriters directors of both stage and screen so I'm really looking forward to what's coming up And if you wondered about the track that's being played, London Town, this is a tune I'd written, well, many years ago, and we are remixing it. So I'm planning to launch it in the summer of 2013. So there will be a link at some point on iTunes to uh, get you to uh, have a look at that when we're ready. But again, it's about when you're ready to hit send and it's pointless having these songs sitting in my drawer when I could use them as my own backing track given I wrote them. So, um, okay, have a great day and be super productive. Bye. Bye.